I'm ready. Tap your other neighbor. You got to say it like I said, ready. Is anybody ready today, amen? I'm excited this morning. I want to first and foremost, I want to give honor to God in this house, amen? I do want to thank every, every person, every guy and the girl who climbed up on the roof yesterday to shovel the roof. We had about, I don't know, 13, 14 inches of snow or more, over 8,000 square feet of the roof, and we had to sit there and shovel every last piece of it. And we thank God for it. Come on, put the hands together for those of you, for those who helped us out <clears throat> so that you would not have a leaky roof or that it would come crashing down on you. Somebody shout glory. I want to also say thank you to all of our fasting friends this morning. Amen. 21-day fast is officially over. Unless you were on vacation in the beginning part like Rose and Carmen were, you're still on your fast. Amen. They were in Puerto Rico, so they're still, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I'm excited about the presence of God in this place. Amen. Uh, as, as the church grows, as we move forward, as we do things, um, God is doing some exciting things. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, I'm going to fail forwards. Now say it like you mean it. I'm going to fail forwards. Galatians chapter 6, the ninth verse. I'll read from the King James Version. It says, and let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we faint not. Y'all weren't excited about none of that. Y'all the sleepiest Sunday morning crowd I've had in a while. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we faint not. Tell your neighbor, don't grow weary. And don't faint. Come on, let's pray. Father, let it be with hungry ears that we listen to you and to listen to your word today, uh, that we might rightly apply this inspired word into our lives, God, that let it be for your glory as we chase after you more and more, God, as we head towards more growth in our church. Give us understanding as we hear your word, Jesus' name. We pray this prayer. Somebody shout amen. amen. You know, there are certain things in life that seemingly perplex me as a Christian individual. Is that all right? Someone has to admit that sometimes your life just seems to get hectic when it comes to Christianity. Questions plague me daily, and I don't pretend to have the answer to every question, amen? For instance, I don't understand why things get, seem to get so much harder when I come to Christ. I know somebody can attest to the fact, you don't have to be super saved this morning, that when you gave your life to Christ, why did everything seem to get that much more difficult? Why did the bills seem to pile up that quicker? Uh, how, why did everything seem to get you so much more upset? Amen? I know somebody can say, Pastor, when I gave my life to Christ, things just seemed to get worse. Things seemed to get even more toilsome, more, uh, more tribulations I'm facing in my life, more things that I face on a daily basis. Amen? For a while, I just couldn't wrap my head around these types of questions of God. If your yoke is easy, if your burden's light, then why am I struggling every day? If, if, if this is supposed to be a, a Christian walk, walking in the light, then why do I always feel so lost? Why am I always feeling so confused if this is supposed to be the light? If this is the light, I'd hate to see the darkness. But I realize the light wakes me the heck up, but the darkness puts me to sleep. Many folks can't sleep with the light on. Y'all not trying to follow me today. Y'all is too, I might just preach to like one person today. I just, if I get one of you, I'm good. I couldn't understand. You're right there. I got, I'm preaching to you today, Rose. The rest of these four, I don't know about them. I don't know. All right, you too, Sarah. All right. Hop on the bandwagon, girl. I could not un seem to understand um, why did people seem to be meaner when I got saved? Can I just go here for about five minutes? I don't understand how once I become a Christian, every person in my life is a leading expert in how a pastor or a Christian should act. And they're quick to tell you every, they are the world's expert. They know they can go on CNN and tell you about how to be a pastor. Never had a church, never had a sheep to follow them, never had nothing, no responsibility on their shoulders about spiritual things, but yet they want to tell, I think it's best, I think it's best if you just be quiet. How many of your friends will tell you, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian? They pull that Jesus card every time, and then they say the classic line, which comes after you're supposed to be a Christian. This comes next. I don't know if you can follow me here. That's why I don't go to church, because of people like you. I tell them, well, it's people like you who make me go to church. Because if it wasn't for you, I would just, ugh. Oh, I don't go to church because of this, and I don't go to church because of that. And now every time they look for a scapegoat, and I always happen to be people's scapegoat. Your family don't come to church because they see the real you. 
And that's how you are. I see how you are in church. But when you come home, you're a different person, and that's not godly. They don't understand that when you come to church, you're in your best form, not because you're being fake, but because you're being complimented by the presence of God so eloquently. And what happens when you go home to their bad spirit and their messed up atmosphere, you just get perturbed in your spirit. And what begins to happen is you just can't deal with their foolishness. And there's always some person in your family with your friends who finds out how to pull the old devil back out of you. And then they're the ones who say, I won't go to church because of you. Am I all right? I don't understand why people got meaner when I got saved. I'm trying to say God bless you to everybody. I'm trying to tell everybody hello. I'm trying to tell everybody. And people just like mean. People at work just looking at you all wrong. Oh, now you need Sundays off? You, you don't go to church. You just want Sunday off. Why is it that the, when, how is it that when, you know something? The trick of the enemy, let me tell you this, all you unemployed folks. The trick of the enemy, I've seen it so many times that, that you come into church unemployed, down or not, whatever your situation may be, or you end up unemployed while you're in church, and then what happens is the job comes along, but the number one thing they want is for you to work Sunday mornings, and you shout up and say, God gave me a job. God did not give you that job. That is, that is not God's plan for you to not be available for him on Sunday morning. I don't understand what is wrong with Christians these days. Christians do some funny things. I'm still getting this preaching together. Ten funny things about Christians. We're going to have a good old time. I don't understand why every time I did or, or, or acted a certain way that they personally did not agree with, that they immediately put this burden on me of you're a pastor. And then when they really want to get you upset, they address you, okay, pastor. I started saying, all right, sinner. <laughs> just... And they, I have to keep it real. I can't be nobody but me. If you're looking for somebody else, go away. I just, I, I, I really thought about this so hard. And I, and I thought about it, how, you know, people just start quoting scriptures. The funny thing is people know scripture, but they don't know where they're at. The Bible says doing to others, you should have them doing to you. Find it. I can't. You know, all that kind of stuff. And people always try and tell you stuff. And I hate when they tell you stuff that's not in the Bible. They swear it is in the Bible. You know, the, everybody says, come as you are. You look in the Bible. That's nowhere in the Bible. That phrase is not in the Bible. I don't know if I just busted your bubble, ruined your life, ruined your world. Search it front to back. I'll give you $10,000 if you find that. The Bible does not say come as you are. Man says come as you are. Now, God says, I'll accept you as you are, but just because I accept you for who you are does not mean who you are is acceptable. Y'all not ready for that. I'm going to go a different route right now. People always looking for reasons why they don't come to church, and you can be the first target of that. All these things make us weary as Christians in well-doing. I'm getting back to that scripture. I don't read it for nothing. I don't understand this. Now, somebody can testify to this. Don't act quiet and be like, no, pastor, not me. Why is it harder to stay away from sin when you become saved? Sin has my email address, all five of them. Sin has my phone number. Sin knows where I live, knows where my office is at. And sin will wait for me. Sin is a stalker. Because you know how sin's a stalker? If anybody, any of you young, young ladies been stalked, or any of you fine-looking gentlemen... Because you women stalk people too, but that's another story. But if you were to ever be stalked, you go into a place of safety. And when you walk out, you feel immediately unsafe because you spot that person or you see some evidence of that person being there. Sin gets me to the point like I will be in the office all day praying, getting sermons ready, doing paperwork, whatever I'm doing, and I'll leave and somebody will be out there trying to cut me off on the street, almost hit my car, give me the bird, and I'm not talking about a pigeon, and, and, and they'll do all these things, and the devil will try and come out of me. I have road rage, and I'm not afraid to say it. I think I need AA for that. Alcoholics Anonymous for road rage. My name, my name is Pastor Lewis, and I, I'm a road rager. I believe that, um, that sin really waits you. The Bible says in Hebrew, the 12th chapter, I believe the fourth verse, it says, that we should, um, it starts by saying we should cast aside every weight. 
because we are encompassed by such a cloud of witnesses that we should, we should run a race with patience. And it begins to talk about these things. And then it says, let us go away from the sins that so easily beset us. Uh, uh, one of the translations says that entangles us. One of those things that entangle us. And, and as I began to think about it, sin entangles me. I remember that sin seems to give, sin has a way of pointing out the one thing God won't let you do in your life. You know, I love it the way I heard it when, when the Garden of Eden, they only had one rule. Could you imagine living a life with just one rule? We have like a million things we can't do. All they could not do was eat from that one tree. But sin has a way of pointing out the things you can't do in God. And it, sin seems to puff up yourself and, and it seems to belittle God. Who does God think he is to tell me I can't do this? Who does God think he is to tell me I can't do that? And I'll do what I want because I'm a free person and God will forgive me because his grace is sufficient. But you can't tell me where that verse is at either. <laughs> I recall during a testimonial service, one young man came up here and he said, when I was younger, I used to think that God was the God of no. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. No, you can't go here. No, you can't act this way. And as I wrestle with these questions that I put before you, realization set in that life got harder as a Christian because it's a road less traveled. I'm not talking about fake Christianity. I'm talking about real, Holy Ghost-filled, righteous, holy living Christianity, good, fun Christianity. It's a road less traveled. People prefer to live a promiscuous lifestyle. People prefer to have one foot out, one foot in. People prefer to be Sunday Christians, only really dealing with God on Sunday. And because when you live a real Christian lifestyle, you are basically blazing a trail for people. Well, you, you ever been to, um, to one of those little those off-road you know, pathways, those little trails, and they have all these thorns and thickets and bushes all around it, and no matter how much you try, you end up leaving there with scratches and cuts and all types. And those things are so annoying. I'd rather somebody stab me in the chest than I get a paper cut. I hate paper cuts. I hate being cut by a blade. I'd rather have an open gash. But it's the little things that get you. Y'all with me? It's the little things that annoy you the most. Big things we seem to handle quite well. It's the, the culmination of a thousand little things. that seem that I just tell you, I want to go home. I don't want to be on this trail no more. I used to play over there all the time by that park where Caldors used to be, where Coles is at now. And we used to run around the bushes there. As a matter of fact, that's where I decided to have war one day. And I, I went there with a bunch of my friends, and what I did was um, we had BB guns and paintball guns and, and pellet guns, and we were going to have war. <laughs> yeah. We were going to go around just shooting each other, and we did it. Well, the reason we went to the park was we kept on doing it on the street, but hitting people's windows and stuff and breaking stuff, and just a whole bad story. So we went to the park. So what happens is I'm running through. I'm getting scraped up and getting beat up by all these branches. I'm the idiot with the paintball gun. These other guys have BB guns. They have pellet guns. And my best friend at the time, he, he took and unloaded a whole clip at my head. And I just went down like a sack of, just a sack of potatoes. And I, I went like this and I have a pellet stuck in my head. Little pellet about this big. I'm bleeding profusely. I don't know if you were with me. I don't know who was with me. And I, just a bunch of my friends and my cousins. And we're like, oh, God. And as we're leaving the park, the guy whose car I'm in, my best friend David, his mother's entering the park with her, with a bunch of kids. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm just fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I had to get cosmetic surgery to get that thing removed. Because there was a little thing that had a, bit of, a big effect on me. It was a little thing. It was, so, it was the dumbest decision. Anybody ever made a small decision that turned out to be a big issue? You said the wrong word to somebody. You gossiped about the wrong person and it got out because you thought somebody was going to keep your little secret. It's the little things. And as a Christian, this road that we are on is so much less traveled that we have to blaze this trail. In retrospect, many of us are first or second generation believers, and we don't have a strong foundation of Christ within our families. I am only a second generation believer. My father and his parents before him, his parents weren't always Christians. They used to be Catholics, and they came to Christianity after my father was already in adulthood. And so I'm only a second generation Christian. 
and we are blazing a trail. Look back on your family history and answer that question. Where do you stand in God and your lineage? Are you a first, a second, a third, a fourth? The, the closer you are, the, the lower your number is, the harder it's going to be for you because that foundation in your family is not there. And you will wrestle and deal with, uh, with the family curses and generational issues and you will deal with generational sins, uh, generational sexual promiscuity. You will deal with rape. You will deal with all that kind of stuff. You will deal with debauchery. As long as your family is newer in Christ, you will deal with those kinds of things. Trust me. Think about your families. When you have a good, wholesome Christian family that's been going for years, there is godly values in there. And I would challenge you, it takes about six to seven years to develop that in your families. Because the Bible says it takes seven years for a generational curse to pass. And if you think back now and think, what is my family going through? Brothers raping sisters, sisters going out and doing this and that, and all these fathers raping daughters and brothers raping the nieces and nephews. Think about these things. It's because these curses upon your life, and it's going to be harder when you come to Christ. But don't grow weary in well-doing, because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you faint not. But all these things come together, and they come together to, to, to inhibit your ability to come closer to God. The devil is after one thing. He's after you to not make it to the kingdom of heaven. The devil does not want you to grow in Christ. He does not want you to be a powerful Christian. He does not want you to walk in destiny. He does not desire that you would deal with sin in your life. And he does not desire that you would have a sincerity for Christ. I realized that, yes, life didn't necessarily get harder when I came to Christ. Life does not get harder when you come to God. You just now have someone to put the blame on. Because the majority of us were dealing with those issues in the first place. And that someone becomes God. Life was always hard. I realized uh, that, yes, people were mean to me. Why? Because I now represented God. Uh, They lifted me up to a standard that they thought God should live at. And when that standard was equal to God, I could no longer fulfill that standard, no matter what, because I am not God. And they would hold me to this standard because that's where God's at. And I'm always operating right here. I'll never get to God's standard. I just won't. None of us will. The Bible says in Romans, uh, I believe it's the third chapter, the 23rd verse, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I love that word fall because it shows me something. Fall says that it's a process. It's happening still. It didn't say fall in, falling. In the, it, it says fall, that you will all fall. You with me? It's not that they're mean to me, but they're mean to the God in me. Yes, it was okay before, but now I'm being held to God's standards, the way I talk to them, the way I deal with them. And in time, all these factors and many more contribute to one thing. They make the Christian wary. And we become to say, I don't want to go to church today. I don't know why I keep trying. I don't know why I have to go forward. I don't know this. We become a bunch of bickering, moaning, complaining, sissy Christians. But we're just so wrapped up in how we feel. And emotions entangle us. And we're just so absorbed in my situation. When God has given you a solution, but you are so far into your issue that you cannot see that God is trying to beckon you, to call unto you, to usher you into a different place with him. I believe that God is calling me to a higher place, and if he's calling me, you better believe he's going to call you. Galatians chapter 6 to 9 verse, you should remember this, that do not grow weary in well-doing. Do you understand what the apostle is saying? Would you ever tell somebody who wasn't a drug addict, don't smoke crack? I wouldn't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, you, don't do crack. I would walk up to a drug addict and say, God has better things for you. You should not be doing crack. Y'all with me? I wouldn't walk up to an 80-year-old lady and say, stop sleeping around. Because odds are she's not sleeping around. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm telling you that the apostle wrote this and said, don't grow weary. Why? Because people were growing weary. And he was addressing the church. He was addressing the church in Rome. And he was saying, don't grow weary in your well-doing because God has a something for you. Tell the person next to you, don't grow weary. It's the truth that these factors contribute to us living what I call a Sunday Christian lifestyle. That you're truly only serving God on Sundays. You don't really think about God all week long. And you, we, want, we want the maximum benefit of God with the minimal investment of our time and our faith. 
We want all the promises of God. All the promises of God are yes and amen, Pastor. The Bible says the two things. You can't tell me where it says it. And number two, yes, but those promises are conditional. They're hinged upon circumstances. They're hinged upon standards and principles that you should be applying in your life. But we blanket them and say, oh, God said all his promises are yes and amen. Somebody with me today? is so difficult to really talk people out of their Sunday lifestyle because it's so comfortable. Many Christians, the majority of them, statistically speaking, never operate at 100% capacity for God. This Christian walks takes a toll on your mental psyche. Can somebody say amen? Can anyone today say, yeah, pastor, I've been to the point that I felt I was going crazy just trying to serve God. Uh, I've seen people go through all types of issues serving God. I've seen them break down into convulsions. I see them go into, into anxiety, into panic attacks. I've seen people blame their health issues on God. I've seen all types of things because they say it's just too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. How is it that so many Christians across America only talk to God on Sundays? Why is it that so many Christians want the blessings of God but never work at it? I got one person today. I'm working on it. Why are so many Christians upset with their life not realizing they're only getting back what they're putting in? Are you with me today? Why is it so hard to get Christians to come to church these days? But we're Christians. Don't we realize if one of us gets blessed that all of us gets blessed? We say amen now, but next time somebody gives a testimony, I got a thousand dollars check in the mail. God, why not me? You know my situation. Yeah, but you don't know their situation. And if we're really a family, as we say, as Christians say, then you should be happy whether you're broke or not. But let me tell you that being broke is a mindset. It's not an actual thing. If you live broke, you will be broke. But every single one of us should be living with the richness of the kingdom of heaven. The light's in your prosperity. It is not God's present God. You represent a king. Do you think God wants you representing him all broke? On food stamps the whole life, you're, you're on a welfare, you're on second in the government off. Romans 13 says that we should be, but God forbid you ask somebody to come here. Did you know praise and worship is here as of 8.30 in the morning? And they better not be late. If they're late, they better let me know and message me and everything else. But we come in all types of late. Could you realize that, that maybe the same way that you deal with God, God deals with you? Oh, God, I've been waiting for so long here. I've been waiting for you every Sunday to come on time too. Oh, God, where's my blessing? Where's my tithes and offering? The Bible says uh, that it, should a man rob God? It's, I believe it's in the book of Malachi. And the, the people said, God, how are we robbing you? He said, through tithes and offering. You ain't paying it. But if you do it, let me, let, test me, God said in Malachi. And he said, I will open up the windows of heaven. And I will pour out blessings on your life. Why is it that you will take every other scripture but not that one? <laughs> but we don't realize that we're robbing God. And do you think that someone you've been robbing wants to give you something? You think God's going to be on time if you're always late? I would challenge you on a personal level that you start having a real concept of keeping Sunday for God. Keeping Sunday holy. To the point where you will prepare your meals on a Saturday evening and just have them ready to cook really fast on Sunday so you can really keep the Sabbath holy. That you would rest on Sunday. That you, could you imagine what would happen if a group of people truly sought after God and followed the word of God rightly if we truly did it? Do you know what would happen? But as long as we're all in our own little worlds, the devil will always have his way with us. Why does the secular world and society walk all over Sundays? They walk all over our holidays. They walk all over our, our television stations. And they walk all over us. Do you know why? Because we don't do anything about it. Because we don't voice that we don't like what they're doing. And so they have control over us. And they say to themselves, well, Christians don't respect Christmas. Christians don't respect Easter. Christians don't respect Sunday. Why should we? And because we haven't lifted a standard, the enemy comes in like a flood. Why is it so hard for the church to fast? Why can't we control our appetites? We just finished our 21-day fast. For some of you, it was 21 minutes, 21 hours. 
2.1 days. 2.1 weeks. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. It was so hard. I was going to die. You weren't going to die. You were not. You just get an apple and shut your mouth and let God have some time in your life. But we are so weak. Will I never understood why fasting goes by so slow. Fasting slow. I didn't get I call it slowing next year. I'm going to go on a 21 day slow. <laughs> you follow me today? But we could not even give God 21 days. Do you know the concept why we do it? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something some of y'all might not like, but that's all right. We do a 21-day fast, and we do first fruits offering. Uh, what we do is in the beginning of the year, we give the first 21 days to God. We truly dedicate it in prayer, fasting, and just being vigilant in our spirits. And then we give our first fruits offering. For some of you who are brave enough to do it, what it means is this, is that, um, is that God... In the Bible, throughout the Bible, that you see that he desires our first fruits. And so the first paycheck of the year, we turn the entire thing over and we just give it to the church. We give it to God for his purposes. I've already seen God come through in my life, and I'm not going to go into detail how, but God, I gave my offering, and it was, it was a really big sacrifice, but God already provided for me over $5,000 worth of stuff just this month alone. That I didn't know how I was going to do it, how I was going to pay it, to the point where people are walking up to me just giving me stuff. And I'm like, are you sure? Do you know how much this costs? This is $4,000. Are you sure? Y'all are not trying to hear me. We're back to that other phase. Why not me, Lord? <laughs> Y'all can't clap with the pastor when he's blessed. But when it's you, you want us to run, they shun, they rub a and shut around the church. You want my just, you want us to all break out in the tongues and stop foot stopping. You want to, you want a ham and B3 organ. Ah! What, the, what is wrong with y'all? Bunch of, bunch of, I don't know. But we can't control our appetites. We can't control ourselves. And we, and we put things forward as excuses why, well, God knows I don't want to lose any more weight, Pastor. <laughs> Read the Bible. The book of Daniel in this 21-day fast says they actually gained weight and were healthier and leaner. But we are just a church of excuses these days. I wish you would realize that so many of us just have excuses for God. We just have reasons as to why we can't. And we incapacitate and, and we, we handicap ourselves before we ever approach battle. Oh, I can't go fight today. No, 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 Lord. I was going to die. No, your flesh was about to die. And your spirit was about to break through and you just stopped it. When it got too tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Can I keep on going on? Do not grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in fasting. Don't grow weary in giving your offerings and tithes. Don't grow weary. Don't worry, the Bible says, about tomorrow's provisions. Don't worry about those types of things and just worry about now. And God will accompany you and take over your life. When did Christians stop praying? Don't you understand? To be a Christian, the word Christian means to be Christ-like. And if we're trying to be like Christ, he was a man of prayer. There's so many references in the New Testament to Jesus praying. Y'all don't want to hear about prayer today. All right, next one. Why don't people read their Bible anymore? I don't understand that. Wow, since when did a daily verse on your cell phone become enough? Waiting for somebody's email to give you an encouraging word. Since when did we stop looking into the Bible? And just because you educate yourself doesn't mean that you apply things. Because it's even worse when we read the Bible, we do understand it, but don't apply it. Educational does not mean application, I'm just saying. We pray for a job, and then we get it, and we're never at church anymore. Why is that? Because Christians grow weary in well-doing. It's funny that the people that come to church late are the first ones to leave. Some of y'all are like, oh my God, he's right. You could have just said, guilty. And we will be darned if we fellowship with our brothers. Not knowing this, that fellowship is the key to actually maintaining a Christian life. That if you surround yourself with the same old people you had before, that they're going to have the same effect on your life. But you have to replace those old things with some new things. And you have to trust God. Somebody tell somebody in your neighbor, don't grow weary in well-doing. 
I don't know if people realize it, that we are undergoing a disarmament of the church. The enemy has been shipping away all of our weapons of prayer, of fasting, of worship. Uh, let me talk about worship for a second. I don't understand how you can come to church and not, and not want to come to the worship. Worship, the reason people don't want to come to worship, because it's something you have to do for God. The preaching is something God does for you. So you don't mind being late for the worship, but you don't want to miss the preaching. Because the preaching is what you, God gives you in that day, where the worship is what you do for God. Surrendering, giving him love, telling him how much you care about him. And you will come late, and you don't care because I, the, the worship part is not my favorite part. But we want to be God's favorite every time. Worship has got no, no, nothing to do with you and everything to do with God. Worship is like a farmer who tills the land, he opens the soil so the seed can be deposited into it. And that seed is the word of God in this household today. Why does doing the wrong stuff feel so good, but doing the wrong stuff feel so bad? Doing the wrong stuff feels good, but doing the right thing feels bad. Because when you do the wrong thing, you pleasure yourself. But when you do the right thing, you feel bad because you know you should be doing it all along. But that's the way the devil tricks us when we grow weary in well-doing. The enemy has tricked us into putting down our weapons and not fighting. Could you imagine what would transpire if the church decided to really seek God, to really stop playing around with God? I want to talk to all of you who came last year to every 165 services of ours that we had last year, and you are still the same old Christian you were two years ago. How could you come to church and not be changed, transformed, touched? You can't just want God to touch you and have a feel-good moment and never be changed by God, never be transformed by God. Oh, we have to be new creations in Christ. In order to be a new creation, you must change some things. And I don't understand how you cannot evolve. You are like a, a, a caterpillar in a cocoon just stuck there, never going into metamorphosis, never entering into the full capacity of what God has for you. But yet you are in the same place, if not worse than last year. But you came to almost every service last year, over 100 services. If we took to the message of the gospel for the lost, what would happen if we hit the streets uh, for God and evangelizing it and truly giving out a message of love, hope, and peace, and then reflecting that message in us? Vision speaks of what is to come. Imagine if we took our vision off of our, of our, of our pretty little boards and our nice projectors and, and we took the vision off the website and we put it on the streets and we lived it out in action. A vision is only a vision because it is what is to come. But if I were to take the vision and to put it into action, then the vision would be reality. But vision never comes reality because we as Christians are too busy to do God's work. And so our lifestyle is geared towards this vision that we would never accomplish because we are not on the road to that vision. I would not hop onto 95 South if I'm trying to get to New Haven because that would take me to New York. But that is the equivalent of what we are doing as Christians. I was, I was walking up my steps just the other night and God began to speak to me in one of those moments I didn't want to talk to him. I like I don't have those moments. Why are you sinning? I'm just saying, but whatever. Uh, but God was dealing with me. <laughs> God was dealing with me, and he said, um, he said you know, the, the issue with the church, if I can put it to you, because God knows that I like metaphors and analogies. Did you know that God knows what you like? And so God speaks to me in a way that I like. I think that God speaks to some of you in Spanish. Because you understand Spanish better. Yeah, 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 okay, whatever. <laughs> Tough crowd, I'm just kidding. And so God began to tell me, it was freezing cold this night, and I'm, I'm trying to walk and not slip on all this ice, and we had about a thousand feet of snow, and it was just horrible, and, and I had to park really far from my house because there was no parking spots, and, and I was walking up, and God says, you know, being away from me is like being in the winter, and I was like, what are you talking about, Lord? Not now. I'm trying to balance myself. Skating on ice, and he wants to talk to me now. Isn't that the worst thing when you're walking up a ladder with 10 things in your hands? Do you need help? No, I don't. I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't help me. It's one of those moments that God's like, oh, I want to talk. I'm like, not now. You got my email? Come on. And I was like, Lord, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, when you're away from me, you have all these things covering you. And he began to talk about during the wintertime, people bundle up to protect themselves from the elements of, the, of nature. And he said, but as summer comes along, the covers come off, literally. That's why some of you will sleep in your underwear. 
during wintertime with your AC on, during summer rather, with your AC on, with your fan on. Why? Because the sun is too bright. The heat is too much to contain us. And it's so much easier when we take the layers off. And God said, coming to me is like, is like summer because you have to remove layers from your life and you have to be exposed to find comfort. And you have to be exposed in your spirit to find comfort in God. Stop hiding all the areas of hurt. Stop hiding all the issues you have. Be real. Keep it real with God. Tell him, God, I'm struggling with sexual immorality. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm struggling because I am just a gossiper and I don't know how to love people. I'm struggling with how to treat my mother, my father, my sisters, my brothers. God, I am struggling and I need you to help me. I have not arrived yet. And take the layers off of your life and you will find comfort in knowing that God is trying to help you. Somebody say amen. Issues would become solutions and problems would become testimonies if we would just believe and chase after God. You know why adults don't come up here and give God thanks all the time? Because they got no testimony. Because the kids are the ones living the better Christian lifestyle in this church. Somebody say, ouch. Why do we feel like we can't make it or we can't do it? We constantly feel like giving up. And the only thing that we want to do is just, get, is just pull the plug in our lives. And we're just saying, God, I can't do this. God, I can't make it. Oh, this is too hard. How about you give up on giving up? Give up on giving in. Why do we feel like we can't make it? Giving up on being a mighty servant of God is the equivalent of someone who is on life support pulling their own plug. You can't live without God. I told you a thousand times in Genesis chapter, in chapter 1, 2, and 3 when God was creating the earth. He spoke to the land to bring forth life and it brought forth life. He spoke to the ocean to bring forth life and it brought forth life. But when he created you, he spoke to himself. So the, the, the earth is the substance that the cow came from. The earth is the source and the cow is the substance. When God spoke to the oceans, it actually birthed life, the Bible says. And the ocean was the source of life. And the fish was the substance. You take a fish out of water and it will not survive. You take a cow off of the land and throw it in the ocean and it will not survive. Likewise, how can you survive without God in your life? He is the source. You are the substance. You came out of him. You are a piece of him. And you are trying to live your life without him. It just doesn't make sense. You are the substance. You are not the source. But the devil tricks us into thinking we are the source. Why do we feel this way? Because we've grown weary in well-doing. Galatians 6, that word weary talks about a, a sense of losing the joy for the things you used to love doing. It's got nothing to do with being tired. This word does not allude to sleep. This word does not depict tiredness. It is speaking of a lack of joy. A lack of fulfillment in the things you are doing. And I need somebody to be honest today and say, Pastor, I've been to that point and I might be there right now where sometimes going to church is just not as fun as it used to be. Praying is not as fulfilling as it used to be. Reading my Bible is not as understandable as it used to be. And I don't find joy in it no more. And I'd much rather do other things, be other places, say other things than rather serving God because I'm losing that joy. And the Bible says don't grow weary in your well-doing. How many times do we see in church that when someone brings someone else to church, that the people they bring stay longer than they do? Many people here, look at it right now, the people who brought you here don't even come no more. Because we grew weary and well-doing, but when they told you about this place, they were super excited. They were over the top, just, oh my God, you got to check this out, but where are they now? Where's their joy for God now? Where's their passion now? They've grown weary and well-doing. Tell somebody he's going somewhere with us. How you probably feel about coming to church is probably how some of us feel about going to the gym. You see, I love going to the gym. I love working out. I like just being in the gym. I, I like feeling like if I'm healthy. I, I love the swimming pool. I love the, the, the saunas, the steam rooms. I love all that stuff. I just love it. You better go ahead, girl. <laughs> you ain't gonna see me on a trap. You better stop now. And you, you... Many of us here love going to the gym. The problem is getting there, pulling yourself out of bed, making time for it. 
Because you know that the next day it'll pull your muscle, it'll hurt because you're ripping muscles, you're, you're exercising, it'll hurt you. But in the end, it does you so much more good than the, than the hurt you faced. And then it's the Melvin's, oh yeah. And the, the benefits of going, now how many of you understand the gym is a healthy thing for you to do? But getting there is so difficult. Why is that? It's like going to church. The benefit of you coming is great, but getting there is so difficult. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. I had to get where I dragged myself out of bed. I couldn't find nothing. There was a devil. I couldn't find nothing to wear. No, you know it's not the devil. Just do your laundry. <laughs> oh, the devil this and the devil that and the devil that. No, no, no. If you would have ironed your clothes on Saturday night, instead of snoozing your alarm because you ain't mind messing the first two fast songs, and you actually prioritize your life, and you actually got a grip on yourself and realize that it is just laziness slothfulness that is gripping the church. Don't you realize the point of going to church is not to go to heaven by yourself but to drag 20 people with you? But you're satisfied with going by yourself. What is wrong with us? Oh, I barely made it, Pastor, but you got to work on time to get paid minimum wage. Oh, Pastor, I don't make minimum wage. I make $10 an hour. I don't care what you make. Understand that you will wake up early, do your makeup, look all nice, and try and get the church uh, to work on time. Some of us are so bad, we got no respect for our job or our church. We're late to everything. Type of people who be late to their own funeral, but whatever. I, I don't understand why we have such a hard time getting there. You love how it makes you feel, you just hate getting there. You love most of the people there. But you don't want to go sometimes. The apostle writes something very interesting. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. In due season, meaning at the right time, you will reap, meaning collect. A harvest, meaning what is owed to you if you faint not. See, because you don't read scriptures like me, you wouldn't read it the way I just read it. You don't understand it the way I comprehended that. And the way I was, it was confirmed to me in a preaching from a friend, I heard it, and it was just confirmed to me that I will reap a harvest in due season if I faint not. Y'all missed it again. Y'all missed it again. I'm going to say it one more time for you, and I'll break it down for you. You will reap a harvest in due season if you faint not. If you faint not, if you don't give up, you will be to the point of giving up, of giving in. You will be to the point of throwing in the towel if you faint not. The apostle is trying to tell you, you will be to the point of quitting. And then right then at that point, God will open up the windows of heaven. But the devil has gotten you to quit right at that moment where it got too tough, right when it got too hard. He has gotten you to quit to throw in the towel and say, no more, I can't do it. I'm going to be a lukewarm Christian. I don't want to chase after being on fire for God. I don't want to chase the Holy Spirit. I don't want to chase the things of God. I don't care about souls. I live for myself. I'm here to get my job, my blessing. I want to be rich. I have plans. I'm an entrepreneur. Who cares? You have got to understand that the Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, the 33rd verse, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And his righteousness, meaning living right, and the things he wants, and then all those things come your way. We got it backwards. You say, oh God, I'll give you the praise if you give me the job. When I make my first million, I'll start giving to the church. And God says, give now. God says, praise me now. But we don't have that level of comprehension. I will be to the point of fainting. You will want to give up. Anybody here want to give up? I'll tell the truth, you're a bunch of super saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy. No. Some of us ain't filled with the Holy Ghost. We just have Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> you will feel like giving up. How many times during your week do you feel like giving up? I challenge you that if you don't feel like giving up, you're doing something wrong. You know you're doing something right when you feel like giving up. When things get harder, you need to smile and say, this is just the enemy's way of trying to stop me from coming to church. I know that I need to reach for God. I know more than anything, I need God in my life. Tell the person next to you, God has a plan for you. 
I believe that together as a collective and a network church that we can actually see tremendous growth if we would pull together. You don't have to be perfect. I said it before, Romans 3, the 23rd verse says, For all have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. We need to realize that all of us sin, all of us fall short. It doesn't say fall. It doesn't say fallen rather or fell. It says we're going to fall. We will all fall short of God's glory. That word glory in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it, it, it talks about a weight, the glory of God. Uh, the Bible uses the same word dosa. I believe it is in Greek, dosa. It uses the same word to talk about uh, the, the prophet Eli, the high priest. And it says uh, that Eli was dosa, meaning Eli was heavy. Eli was fat. You got to read the Bible. The Bible even tells you that, that people like, uh, I believe it's Rachel, that she was cross-eyed. The Bible says it nicely. She was weak-eyed. Leah, it was Leah, right? That she was, she was cross-eyed. And, she was, and you have to read the Bible and understand it. Eli was fat. So it uses the same word for glory, meaning the presence, the weight of God. When you feel God on your life, you will have this heaviness on you. And you will feel the weight of the burden of God trying to touch you and speak to other people. It's like when you, when, I, when God tells me something that I don't want to say to somebody, it pushes at me. It nags at me. Y'all must not hear God's voice too much, I guess, huh? I, I'll tell you a story and I'm going to close. That I was at prayer one night here at the church. And I was walking around praying, about 25, 30 of us that night. And we had this young lady here, and uh, she had been coming to church for about a week and a half, two weeks. And uh, it was ironic because I'm walking around, and God told me to tell her something, and I'm like, no way. Not going to tell her that. I don't know that girl from the next brick in town. I'm not going to tell her that, Lord. And so I sent, I believe, Lori to go pray for this young lady. I said, go pray for her. Lori went. Lori prayed for her. And God said, go tell her that. I'm like, God, I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to do it. That's just crazy. This is the devil. I'm not going to do it. I was walking around like Jericho. Just no God. No God. No God. I sent five people to pray for this young lady. And God said, I didn't tell you to send them. I said, go yourself. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Ah, what am I doing? So I walked up and I said, hey, God bless you. What's your name? Well, my name is such and such. And I'm like, yeah, God told me to tell you that he wants you to stop living your homosexual lifestyle. Now, I'm, I'm ignorant. See, because I don't have a spirit of homosexuality in me, I can't see these things in people. You get what I'm saying? I don't, I don't bear witness to that. Everybody has the benefit of the doubt in my book. Now, outside of that, this young lady did not look to have that issue at all. Never struck me as that kind of person, but yet I walked up to her and said, God told me to tell you to stop living your homosexual lifestyle. And uh, I'm expecting it slapped in the face. I'm like, Lord, this better be you. And she just busts out crying. And she's like, I'm trying so hard. I don't know what to do. And I began to minister to her. You know, you have to listen to God's voice and that weight will be upon your life. And you will hear God's voice. Many of you say right now, Pastor, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm finding out that this is not so easy. Give me something spiritual. Come on. Me some arpeggio. Come on. Somebody say amen. And I, I understood something I said the other day. God, I don't understand why I've had my lowest moments in my Christian life when I was a pastor. Anybody can say, Pastor, I've had my lowest moments in my life when I've been in church serving God. I've had the toughest times, or maybe y'all, they're not going through nothing. I guess it's just me and you. That you have experienced some of the roughest times in your life when you gave your life to God. You know, God spoke to me the other night and he said to me, he said, you know, you're going to reach your lowest lows while you're climbing to your highest goals. You're going to have your toughest moments while you're reaching the highest peak of your life. You're going to deal with more stuff as you go up that hill climbing towards me. You're going to have a tougher time than ever. You're going to have less friends because you can't carry everybody to the top. You're going to have less people to talk to because not everybody can communicate with somebody on a mountain. And as you climb towards God, you're going to cut people off. You're going to change things in your life. You're going to have to do tough things, make tough decisions. And God's going to help you with it. You're going to have to leave places you're comfortable. You're going to have to do things you don't want to do. Because chasing after God does not come easy. Chasing after God costs us something. Salvation is free. 
But the journey there is going to cost me something. But let me tell you, my destination is worth the journey I'm on. And I will reach my lowest moments. I have more low moments to come. I know that I will feel like crap sometimes while I preach. I will be in sin while I preach sometimes. I realize that I will sin and I will fall short of the glory of God. But if I let that be a deciding factor as to why I won't chase God, then I become a fool. Because my destination is worth my journey. And no matter how hard it may seem, I know that God has a purpose and a plan for me. And I don't care who tells me otherwise. I don't care what the devil tells me. I don't care what the world tells me. I know that I will have to leave places I'm comfortable. I was speaking to a pastor who has a very large church, an international ministry, reaches across the globe. And I said, what's the key? How are you being so successful, pastor? And he said to me, because I'm ready to leave everything right now. If God told me to leave my church tonight, I have no problem leaving it. This guy has 400 members in his church, an international ministry, one of the most famous speakers right now on the Christian circuit. And he said, I'll leave at a moment's notice. I don't care. And I was dumbfounded. He said, because chasing after God is what matters in my life. And if God is running for me in a different direction, I got to chase him there. I believe right now God's speaking to people into hearts and minds alike right now that you will have to leave some places of comfort in your life. Some places of refuge can end up being a prison in your life. If you realize the things that used to give you life can't always give you life now. If a fruit was to stay on the tree too long, it would spoil. But yet the tree was the very thing that gave it life, and now it's the very thing that kills it. Sometimes you need to disconnect from some things in your life and to get new attachments to God. Come on, stand with me right now. I've entitled this message, Failing Forwards. That when I fail, I want to fail going forwards. Some of you, you fail and you allow yourself to fall backwards. Oh, but I I challenge you right now that when you fail next time, that you fall forwards. Henry Ford said that failing is just another way to start more intelligently. You understanding this today? You have to understand that you, when you fail, you just found the way not to do something. It's not time to give up. You just realize that that's not the right way to do that right now. I want to fail forwards. The songwriter said a saint is just a sinner who fell down but got up again. Somebody say amen. Napoleon Hill, he said, the biggest reason for failure is because we never made new plans for what already didn't work. And I would challenge you to find some stuff in your life that is not working and that you would make some new plans. That you would say, this isn't kicking it for me no more and I need a fresh move of God. God, I need you to reinvigorate my life and to fill me with passion. Somebody shout glory. We fall into issues of sin and we fail all the time and never learn. But I challenge you, if you're going to fail, fail forwards. A famous man by the name of Wendell Holmes said this, There's three types of people in this world. 5% of people make things happen. 10 to 15% of people watch things happen. But 85% of us say, what just happened? And I would challenge you that one of you and many of us today are saying, what's happening? What's going on? Because we're not people that make things happen. We're not being decision makers, culture shapers, world changers. We're just being regular old me. And regular old me can be very boring very quickly sometimes. I don't know about you, but I want to make things happen in my life. I believe God wants to use every single one of you. He don't care what you've done, where you've been, how you've messed up. God don't care. God does not care. I repeat it. God does not care. He just desires for you to be living and loving him. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. If I can have my worship team up here, come on quickly. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm believing that God has talked and spoken to his hearts and minds alike and God desires to really reach out to some of you right now. God desires to touch you. God desires to change you. God desires to love you. God needs you to make a decision for him right now. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Young people, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's respect God's presence in this church. Let's as a collective, as a whole church say, I'm going to respect God's presence right now. I'm going to make a difference right now. Holy Spirit, speak to every heart right now. Come on, my prayer team, come on up here right now. I know people are going to have to get prayer today. Come on. Come on, if that's you, you're saying, Pastor, I I need that help. 
Pastor, I need some things. Come on, if that's you. I got some people right now waiting at the altar, and they want to touch and pray with you. It doesn't have to be that you're giving your life to God. It can just be that you need an invigoration in your spirit. Come on. I need somebody. Do I have just one? Do I have two? I know God's talking to you. I know you want to come right now. Come to the front. Come to the well. The Bible says that you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Come on, prayer warriors. Pick a person. Let's go. Let's go. I want to be here in five minutes. Let's get this going. Let's get it done. God can change your life in the next few minutes. I believe it right now with all my heart. God has a desire for you to have a new spirit in your life. Jesus, come on right now. Father God, we're praying right now. We're touching and agreeing with every single soul here. With every single heart here and mind alike right now. Father God, we're touching into your presence right now, Father God. We need your, your, your spirit to dwell in this house right now. Come on, if you're in your seat right now and you, you have an ability to pray, just stretch your hands forward and pray for these folks in the front. Father God, we just need a fresh touch of your heart right now, God. Jesus, right now, Father God. Jesus. Oh, Father God, speak to us right now, Holy Spirit. Come on, praise the Lord. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my soul. Come on, I live for you alone. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Come on, every moment I'm awake. Every moment I'm awake. Come on, Lord, just have your way in me right now. Lord, have Come on, pick your tongue and I give you my heart. Oh, I give you, Lord, I give you my heart. Oh, I give you, I give you my soul. Oh, I live for you alone. I live for you alone. Come on, every breath, every breath that I take. Every moment, God. Every moment I'm away. Have your way right now, God. heart right now. Remind right now, God, that you would take control. On every breath, Holy Spirit, working us right now. Come on, just have your way. Come on, just tell the Lord, I give you my heart. chapter 11 the 28th verse and it says this Jesus said come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and that you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light come on to anybody who today who's lost your joy for life you're losing your joy for some things come on lift your hands all across the sanctuary and just tell them, Lord, I give you my heart right now, God. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you, Lord. Lord, I give you Come on, come to me. All who are weary right now, God, bring joy into this place. I give you my soul. I live for you, oh Lord. Every breath that I take. Every moment. Have your way right now, God. Lord, have your way. 
wind right now in this place God come on if you're praying just keep on praying right now God as we just come into your presence right now Holy Spirit God we just need a fresh touch God right now oh, come on just lift your hands right now begin to talk to God right now begin to talk to God right now Jesus.
in this place today, God's transitioning people, amen? And that God doesn't want you to be in the same place you've been for too long. And that God says he has a new thing for you, a new house, a new desire for you, a new place for you, amen? That if you would just, tra- just chase after God and trust fully in him, that God will open the floodgates of heaven over you. Come on, grab somebody's head next as we pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence, God, asking, Lord, that this word would fall on good soil. God, that we would go home with a change, God, preparing the way for you, God, trusting and believing in you, God, knowing, God, that you are the author, the finisher of our faith, knowing, God, that you are the God of the impossible and that you have placed in me something that no man can duplicate and that you have placed in me a desire, God, that you would have your way, a desire, God, that you have for my life. And I believe right now, God, that if I chase after you and I put all my faith in you, God, that you would provide my every need. God, that you would have total and complete control in my life. I believe, God, that you would transition me, God, into the greatest places I have ever been in my life if I just trust you. And right now, I'm choosing to trust you, Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody shout amen. Come on, somebody say glory. Glory. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a moment as I give you the closing announcements. Just a reminder, tomorrow night, 7 p.m.